The following programming is sponsored by Tom Tool III. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. And we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we've got some actual real estate news to talk about this week instead of like theory or case studies, which is pretty exciting. Um, and again, we are streaming live on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, uh, and all you have to do is Google Tom Tool Sales Group. You'll find it. So a couple different stories to talk about today. Um, we're going to lead with some news coming out of CoStar. So like the anti-Zillow, if you will, and, and kind of a, an alarming story um, in terms of what CEO Andy Florence had some, I would say, aggressive and non-CEO-like behavior to put it mildly, we'll get into it in a second, that was just reported. He had dozens of former and current employees come out, uh, and they spoke with uh, the uh, business publication Insider and said that their CEO is hyper-competitive, and he's been quick to ridicule and fire folks for minor infractions, and at one point pointed a gun at a Zoom screen during a virtual meeting. Bana- I, I can't even comprehend this, as especially a company that big. And so, so w- what do you two think about this? Just th- that you hear that. What's your reaction? I mean, that's that's wild. I mean, to think that that is, you know, appropriate or OK or that you can do that. Like you're just in your own world. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> some of these people are totally in their own bubble. Mm-hmm. Like they need to get out from themselves and, and their yes people around them because they people lose their minds. You know, yeah. they really do. And they think that they can do whatever they want. And it's totally acceptable and they'll never be called out. And it just it really makes you wonder, like, what's really going on? Well, and I think didn't he then go on to say that the reason he pulled the gun out was because he's seen some bears around his house in Virginia recently? Like, what? During the Zoom yeah, call? Yeah, that's nuts, yeah. <laughs> was he going to shoot him through the window? Like, what's he going to do? Right, right. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. I think yeah. he was just trying to, like, make a point to people on the Zoom. Right. Like, I, that's not the place where you make that kind of a point, you know? No, like, no. Yeah. That's so inappropriate. <laughs> well, there was one point uh, he called out someone specifically and said, hey, uh, that, uh, her name was Liz Morgan. It's in the article. That Liz Morgan, she looks like she's sleeping on the Zoom call. I mean, that's Ooh. that's pretty aggressive be- behavior. Um, and it's, you know, apparently he was unaware the mic was on, mm-hmm. which I think happened to hundreds of people during the pandemic when, when that was going on, where the camera wasn't on, the mic wasn't on, wh- whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it for someone that's come out and you're, you're, you're running a huge company um, and you're targeting another huge company in Zillow, which they've done. I don't know where these people think this stuff's not going to come out. It's 2022. Everything's it's a Zoom call. Right. It's literally a video call. Right. How do you <laughs> even comprehend as someone I mean you got to have some sort of intelligence to rise to the CEO of any company. Maybe there's some right. there's some bad CEOs out there, that's not my point. It just you know, someone that's maybe tough and determined, which is what he his his um I, I'm, try, um, I'm trying to think of the right word here. Reputation? Not nah, not reputation. What his what he thinks he is like oh, his okay. like uh, his 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 personality, how he wants it to come off, right? Mm-hmm. I, I still didn't say that right, but you get the point. Versus this stuff, it's it's night and day, and there, there, there's a big difference there. 
And then it just makes you think if, if one and one is not equaling two there, um, there might be some underlying things. Like if it's Zoom calls, like, you know, I don't know, what are these people putting in their coffee before their Zoom calls or something? <laughs> but, you know, that kind of behavior is just not normal. Right. It's just not normal behavior. So there has to be some other th- issues, underlying issues going on. I'll, I'll take it one step further in that, I mean, it, it, you, you look at what goes on here and, you know, you're, you're, you're putting a lot of people at risk with this kind of behavior when you're running a company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've certainly seen this at a smaller level that you, you, can, you, you are held to a different standard when you're running a company in the public eye and they've gone out and said, hey, we're, you know, Zillow's hijacking listings. A lot of people think they're going after Zillow. Um, and then on and, and the employees obviously felt this because a current CoStar employee revealed that the company lost 1,546 of its 4,200 employees to resignation or firing last year, which is 32.8 percent above the industry average. So to me, I mean, you know, certainly you're going to see churn, but resignation and firing, I mean, that's actually 30 percent in a company like this. Like if it's a sales organization or something else, I could see that being kind of a normal number. They're, they're W-2 employees. So, I mean, it said employees specifically. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think that the question here, well, go ahead, Sarah. It looks like well, you have something to say. That they're saying what it's it's thirty percent above the average. That's not even yeah, correct. Yes, my, the my mistake. Normal turnover that you would see in a in a job. Well, right. that that tells you something right there. Right, and the fact that people are coming out and saying that, you know, he's has in the past singled out people in front of colleagues, you know, playing recordings of their sales calls and mocking their approaches of how they right. handled things. I mean, that's just demeaning. Right, demoralizing. I mean, how do you think your how do you think your team is going to respond to that? They're going to resign right <laughs> you're gonna lose people which they clearly did right yep so and, and I, I you know what to give some perspective here you guys I don't even know if you know this we've been on zoom calls where someone on our team fell asleep and you didn't hear me eviscerate them and and, and you know, but, know. <laughs> but that's the point well you know right. what? you're paying attention to what we have going on and we went through all that in 2020 and we also listened to sales calls together mm-hmm. it, it, and it's not meant to do anything else than hey how do you think you did where could we improve and and go from there? So the fact that we're doing the same things in our organization and the approach is so much different. You guys can speak to it. It's not like this is just me talking here. I, you know, it, it just it, it really gets me concerned about what's going to happen with CoStar moving forward. I mean, is he going to lose his job? The better CEO fired everyone on on a Zoom call, right? I mean, there, there there's stuff happening where CEOs are getting removed left and right. So, how do you think he comes out of all this? Wow, I don't know. That that's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how many more people, you know, leave the company and to see how that's going to affect shareholders and, you know, the board to see if they'll they'll ask him to step down. Right. I mean, there are there's many different styles of leadership out there and different people respond um, better or worse to to different ways. But I don't think that very many people respond well to being, you know, having somebody be demeaning to them, calling them out and uh, holding a gun up on a Zoom call. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, for what person behavior. that like triggers like, you know what? I am motivated now. Like, <laughs> let's go, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that I don't think I would stick around for that. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. 
So, so they're, they're a publicly traded company, right? Um, and I mean, I think that's it has even higher stakes with that because he has to answer to a board. Mm-hmm. I don't know how their board's set up. That's not my strong suit about like, is it a mixed board? There's all kinds of terms. I, I don't know what I'm talking about there. Do you think this, I mean, six months from now, a year from now, do you think he's going to survive this? I mean, it obviously depends how a lot of things play out here, but usually when there's smoke, there's fire. So if this is coming out now, I'd imagine there's a lot more going on than we, we even realize inside the company. Right. I mean, he made some comment like, oh, we're not going to let one little article hold us back. But I think that the numbers are going to speak for themselves. And as you see people, you know, leaving, being fired, as this gets out there, are many people going to be clamoring at the door to get into this company? You know, like if you don't have people to replace what's leaving, um, you know, I think in addition to the board, like probably wanting to look and make sure that they they look good, <laughs> um, they're going to be looking at the numbers. And I think that's going to be a big factor in it as well. Yeah, I think it's going to just have to play out a little bit and see, like uh, Sarah was saying, how how's their business? You know, how is the business going? Because that's what it's based on also. Mm-hmm. And all these things that have recently developed are a really good way to just clear everything out, <laughs> install somebody new, and have a reset. So I, I, I do see some fallout from this. I don't know if it's going to be right away. Usually this stuff like kind of mounts up and up, and then all of a sudden there, there, there's something that happens. It, you know, he, he's, in, he's in a risky spot right now because now that you know, Zillow's obviously had their ups and downs, you know, he's clearly targeting them, and, and he's been coming after them. Now, they, they do have a pretty good kind of, I don't want to say monopoly. It's not the right word, but they are like the go-to commercial listing database, so that helps. You know, I just don't know that you can come back from something like this with that much turnover where it's a third above the norm, basically. I mean, pretty darn close. We're talking about one percentage point. Not mm-hmm. even. It's point, let me do the math, point five, one half of a percentage point. Um, so I, I don't see him coming back from this. I think it's going to be kind of a long play, and then you have to see what the board says, and they go through all the other stuff. So that's all well and good. I think the big question here is like, what kind of leaders work in the real estate space? Because there are a lot of salespeople involved, whether it's a team like ours, whether it's a brokerage, whether it's a publicly traded company that's also a brokerage. You mentioned a couple things here that you 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 guys thought you would respond better to, but what makes a good leader in the current real estate space? I think somebody who who motivates you to go out and and do your job and give you, you know education along the way for, you know, how to improve things. Um, I think that listening to sales calls is a very great way to, you know, kind of hear what's going on and to give you, um, you know, some some tips on how to improve things, how things could have been said differently. But it all comes down to the way that you give that information. And you want to do it in a way that's going to make your employees want to want to do better and take those tips and not feel threatened or demeaned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, leadership's like a good coach, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you you have to coach your team. <laughs> so, how are you as a coach? Are you going to encourage them and lift them up, and you know, make them better people so that the whole team is better? Or are you just going to point them out and say, you know, that was horrible, this was bad, that was bad, and then nobody's going to want to play for you, you know, as a coach. So what what about hard coaching? Because I think that that's something that some people shy away from. And the best coaches do coach you hard. And I'm not I'm not saying what he did here was right. Like let me be. I, I need to. I feel like I need to say that like ten more times during the right. segment here, so everyone knows where, where we stand. 
I, I don't think that's appropriate. And and certainly, you know, falling asleep on a call, I think that they're whether that's true or not, that's a different story. We don't really know. The people that coach you hard, how, how like you've all had business leaders and coaches, and you know, we all played you know played sports, did different things. How how can you accept hard coaching, and how can someone coach you hard without crossing the line? Because I think that that's a really tough line to to, to go through, or to I th- walk. I think um, there there is a difference between hard coaching and and just poor coaching, and I, I agree. Yes, yeah, I'm Keep big going. difference. So hard coaching to me is somebody who pushes me to my limits, and they know I can do more. They know it, um, but they do it in such a way where they you know, push me to set higher goals. It's very, very positive, positive reinforcement. Um, you know, they they push me in those ways, not by any stretch, you know, tearing me down. Like, you know, just verbally, you know, saying, oh, that was bad, do it again. Or, you know, I've had some hard coaches when I was doing some, uh, you know, physical activities and I excelled at hard coaching because it wasn't degrading, demeaning or anything. It was just like, I know you can do better. I know right. you can do better. Set higher goals for yourself. To me, I think there's a big difference between the two. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, having somebody making you accountable for what you, you know, set set out to do. Um, but in a way where when you come back for, you know, you're recapping how things went or, you know, projecting what you have coming up where you're you want to provide good numbers and good results mm-hmm. because you want to you know continue to be on a good path and not because you think that um your leader or your coach is going to be like go run another lap or like <laughs> get out of here you know <laughs> like um so i think it's i think it's kind of having momentum going where you want to keep having good results because you're getting good feedback so what, what I've I've kind of been in both of these boats because uh, I think the hard coaching that comes in in the in like the physical world like think like sports or mm-hmm. even if you hire like a trainer or anything like that th- that's so much easier to do uh, because like it, it's a physical thing everyone knows you're, you're pushing like I mean you know it, that that that's easy when it comes to coaching people on their business or coaching them in their career people got to be open to feedback I think it's almost as much on the on the coachee as the coacher mm-hmm. or the the player or the person versus the coach, because if they're not going to be willing to accept feedback, it's not going to go anywhere. And some people just don't want to hear it. And those are also the, the folks that maybe are are poor or, or uncoachable, maybe is the mm-hmm. b- right way to put it. Mm-hmm. So if you're not open to it on the one end, a hard coach can't, can't really help you. Now, the flip side is if you are, I, I think you're even more likely to excel because you're ready for people to tell you what you don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what you don't want to hear is what you really need to hear. And it's almost no different than with like when we deal with clients, right? I, I, I've said this yes. so many times that a, a good agent will tell the client what they want to hear so they'll get hired. Mm-hmm. A great agent tells people what they need to hear or gives them the real news because then that's going to help them achieve their goal, whether it's buying or selling a home. And we have hard conversations all the time. So I don't think it's any different than what we do with our, our clients because sometimes we have to coach them through the the process to get a home. And if... If, if they're open to that, those are the people that actually get houses today. They're the ones that get their homes sold versus the client that lets like real estate dominate their lives for 12, 24 months. I mean, I've seen some homes that have been on the market for like three or four years. Mm-hmm. That sounds miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, you want to have your house show ready all the time? No. 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 
I mean, you want to have people willing to come in at any time, right? Or go, imagine going out and looking, looking for homes for six to 12 months instead of just making the decision saying, okay, this didn't work the last time. Let's learn from it. And, you know, I, I, leadership goes a long way in this, in this industry. But, you know, agents have to be as good leaders to their clients as people do within the organizations. And, if it, if, and those are usually the people that end up working together because they like it in the first place. Right. I agree. So what do you think happens here with Andy Florence? Like I mean, I I said I said there's going to be some fallout. What do you two think? And and like what's your like your the crystal ball here at the end of the year, right? We're in in April already. How do you think it plays out for this guy? There's definitely going to be some fallout for sure. Um, it's just timing. When are they going to put him on the chopping block <laughs> and install somebody else? They're going to need a makeover after this information's out. Right. And I mean, I think that if this. All of this just came out in one little article. So there's probably so many more pieces to this um, that will come out as time goes on. Look at some of these stories that have broken, right? And they're, they're, they're actually much worse than this. But you think of like some of the celebrities that have come out and now they're like gone. And because of like their, their behavior. And there was even another story about a former Keller Williams CEO on Inman Today where they had some questions about his behavior around women. And I don't even want to get into it. Um, there's been so many of these stories coming out that... The, the the CEOs and these company leaders are the people that think they're big shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that I'm going to use that word specifically. This is not acceptable. It never has been. And now there's a microscope on every one of these companies because the information just comes out. And you know, on a Zoom call, I mean, how, how dumb are you that you're doing this stuff on a video call? I mean, it, <laughs> right? it's mind boggling. Yeah. You, you know, so I, I just I hope that there's going to be people that learn from this and maybe the future leaders in, in every industry, not just real estate, understand that you cannot behave like this and it's going to be acceptable. Coaching someone hard versus coaching them aggressively or poorly are very different things and, and that's where there's a big miss here. So, I, you know, I don't think it's going to end well for him either. Um, so are we looking at six months? Are we looking at 12 months? What do, you, what do you guys think? I mean, I really want like some like concrete predictions here. Three to six months. Six to eight. I'm going to say by the end of the year. So I think that's kind of where, where like, there, there's going to be something that happens here. So let's look at some of the comments here. I wonder if anyone commented on this yet. So this guy looks like someone who's been accused of secretly doing other people's taxes, um, or at least he wasn't brandishing something like uh, some guy from CNN. So I, not 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 some great commentary here yet. Um, I, I do think cultural issues are a problem for companies right now. I mean, that's. I, I, have you ever seen such an importance placed on culture before? Uh, in in like, look at ten years ago. Was culture such a big thing ten years ago as it is now? I feel like it's become even more important because people are really choosing where to spend their time. Yeah, it's definitely. Well, I think it's it's more out there in front of us because everything is on video. Mm-hmm. It, you know, everything is, especially the past couple of years with Zoom and people record what's going on. So I think it's just becoming. Um, you know, you ha- it's just like when we do showings. You're always on video. Just know that somebody's watching you. And if you're, right. you know, if you think that you can get away with bad behavior just because you're you mm-hmm. and you're not going to be held accountable, that's that's just not going to happen in today's world. I mean, everything comes out. And, and I think just with the technology and the ability for anyone to be able to go and, like, post things and call people out on things, like, you don't need to go you know, up the whole chain in order to have your voice get out there. You know, you can you can go to Twitter. You can go to, like, so many different um, social outlets to, you know, to get out there and, and say what you want to say. Um, 
I so, think that uh, it goes the, viral pretty quick. It right. does. And a lot, you know, in the past, CEOs could get away with certain things mm-hmm. because people in the company would cover. And I mean, there's still a lot of that that goes on, I'm sure. But um, nowadays, it's it's definitely more difficult. There's a lot more ways to document things. Yeah. All right. So we all predict he's going to be out by the end of the year. You know, and, and culture culture is more important than ever. I think that's kind of our takeaways here. So. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about mortgage rates crossing 5%. Just the beginning of the year, we were at less than 4 So we're going to talk about that, what it means for the market, some economic indicators. And then our third segment is going to be the most embarrassing stuff that's happened to real estate agents. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio. We're coming right back. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's tomtoolwithane.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell. We have Gabe behind the camera. And again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're streaming live on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So, Big news here in the financing world, which affects all of us, affects real estate. Rates have crested 5%. This is today. This happened literally today. So a couple, I would say weeks ago, but at the beginning of the year, we were looking at rates below 4%. And now we've seen them 
go up faster than I would estimate anybody imagined. So what do you two think about all this? It is unfortunate. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, I know that, um, you know, the rates going up could then cool things off a bit, allow inventory to to creep back up. But I know for me personally, it's a bummer. Um, Tell tell us more about that. So my husband and I went under contract um, on a home back in February, um, settled last week on it. But we did a construction loan so because we're going to be doing a ton of work to it. Um, so normally when you go under contract, your rate gets locked in. Had our rate been locked back in back when we went under contract, it would have been great. It was before things started really creeping up. We knew that they were going to be going up. Um, but with a construction loan, the work all gets completed. Um, it comes out, gets looked at, everything gets checked off. And at that point, it switches over to, you know, for us, just your conventional mortgage. Um, and that's when your your rate gets uh, locked in and switched over. So each week as these rates are going up, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> ah! Because, um, I mean, we're, you know, we're getting a lot of work done. So we're looking at, like, end of June um, for when things will hopefully be wrapped up. Um, but the this is this is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that is tough. I mean, having those variable rates is, is, is challenging. And, and uh, I think there's a lot of people probably going through that, uh, which, 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 is, which is rough. So, um, I mean, and then they can lock in when everything's done. What, I mean, what happens if there's construction delays? That's just like tough. Tough, Sarah. You guys are, you guys are dealing with it? Yep. Yep. I mean, I think you can, um, you know, I think we were going back and forth about maybe, you know, you can like pay to lock in a rate, but they it can only get locked in for so much time. So it, it didn't make sense to do it yet, depending on, you know, how long are the cabinets going to take to get in? How long is, you know, we've, we've got a, a great team working that got started right away. Um, everything's looking like we are on track time-wise. But, I mean, with all the work we're getting done, you never know what what problems could could pop up, mm-hmm. what delays could, um, could uh, pop up here. So, um, yeah, so... We're just, you know, nothing we can do about it. <laughs> Taking it as it comes. <laughs> take it as it comes. Although I would probably be doing cost sheets like every day at different interest rates. I like, agree with ah. that. Yeah, I would probably oh, yeah. be a little stressed out. But like you said, Sarah, I mean, you're going to get into your home. It's going to be awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I know we were in a position. We often talk on the show, I feel like, for, you know, if you're somebody who needs to move, the outside forces that are going on, I mean, they can be a factor. But if if you need to move, you need to move. And we were um, outgrowing our place pretty quickly. Um, and we, you know, there's no point in looking back and being like, oh, maybe we should have done this a year ago. Um, we weren't ready to yet. Now we are. Had to happen. Here we go. <laughs> you were also pregnant a year ago. And anyone that tries to move at that point in the pregnancy, because I know, I mean, you were like eight months pregnant at this point, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, you might as well just like get a dog, another dog while you're at it, you know, like right. add in all the stressors <laughs> that are going to make it worse. So, yep. That, that's, a, that's a real thing, though. I mean, that's a tough thing to, to go through. So I, I think that there's that component there. Um, and then on top of, like, people that have, like, adjustable rate mortgages, I think this is going to be a big factor. They don't realize that maybe they just bought something and, and, and got into it. What about the, the consumer mindset right now? Because, uh, I, I mean, and I think that's a great perspective of someone that went under contract. What about the people that haven't bought a home yet or are still thinking about moving? Like, how, how is this going to affect them? It really depends what stage they are in. If they're people that have been looking for a past couple of months and haven't been able to get under contract but have tried and they're like, you know, stressing, watching mm-hmm. the rates tick up, to them it 
it's going to be more stressful. But if you have just new people jumping into the market um, and they don't really know what their payments or down payment look like yet, then they probably have an easier time adjusting <laughs> You know, right. because ignorance is bliss. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it really depends on where you are in your home shopping process. Got it. So it, it, it depends on them. Um, now, I, I would argue, too, that I think this is going to create some urgency for some people because there's been so many folks that say they're, they're waiting for the market to calm down. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that means, um, you know, because to me, this is actually a, a negative if I was waiting because now my, the cost of money just went up like Sarah just talked about. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little easier finding a home and you're not moving so fast paced. I'd rather go through the pain temporarily for the long term win and rather than have some easy home search that results in a higher monthly payment. I mean, that, that's just right. me. So do you see more people now all of a sudden wanting to I mean, do we think that do you think it's going to ha- cause people to kind of jump into the market a little quicker? Well, I I don't know if them waiting is going to create an easier home search. I, I agree, but, yeah, that, that's, but their, I know, that's, that's their mindset. Their mindset. That's their mindset. Yes, yeah, like, very oh, true. it won't be competitive. We'll have like two days to make a decision. No, <laughs> that's still not going to happen. So what you've done in turn is you're still going to be in a very competitive market, but you're going to be paying more um, either in your monthly payments or more for that same house that you wanted six months ago. So yeah, I think I think for buyers, I mean, it's, it is definitely a rude awakening. If you've been sitting on the sidelines, you know, it's like, yeah, that that's happening. The, you know, the interest rates are going up and we talked about that. Um, but again, qu- waiting for the market to cool off, it's not it's not helpful. It's not a good idea. Right. I mean, I think it all comes down to motivation and, you know, what is what's driving you to make this this move, um, because if if you need to, you're going to. Um, regardless of these these other factors. Um, and exactly like you said, Stacy, for the people who, you know, have been at this for a bit and either weren't making competitive offers or were waiting for the perfect home to come along, um, now that home just got more expensive. And it's it's gonna be more of a shock as you run those because we always run your estimated costs before we put an offer in. So you see how much you need down, how much your ongoing monthly payments are. We factor it out sometimes at a couple of different numbers. So if they're used to, if they were looking at just, you know, for ease of a number here, you know, $500,000 homes, um, they probably got pretty used to what that monthly payment looked like as you're running estimates for them. And now all of a sudden for that same house, it's a different number. And not just a different number for one month, a different number for all of the months of that mortgage. So then if they take it a step further and look at how much more they're paying over the course of the loan, it's a shock. Um, And I think it will be more difficult for those people than for, as you said, ones that didn't see a different number beforehand. And they're Mm -hmm. just coming in and this is, okay, this is what it costs to to have this house per month. Um, So, yeah. And I think... um First-time home buyers, if they're renting now, they really have to understand that their rent is always going to go up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's never, it's not going to stay the same, and it's nev- never going to go down. Right. So you can either pay more rent to somebody else, or you can pay more to your mortgage, to an investment, to a home where you're going to build equity. So I think that's the that's going to be the big decision. Well, and it's funny, Sarah, you mentioned shock. And, and there was an article that came out on, on fortune.com where 
a lot of economists have come out and said the swift upward move in mortgage rates is economic shock. And there's a lot of people that are kind of sticker shocked right now. Um, uh, the housing market has gone into what Logan uh, Matashami, who's the lead analyst at Housing Wire, that it's an unhealthy stage and everyone should embrace higher rates to cool off the madness and hope inventory rises and let higher rates kind of do their thing. I don't know if that's going to happen in the short term. Maybe in the next six months I could see that potentially happening. But between the next 90 days, and I'm looking at like now until July 4th, that's always kind of that cutoff. I don't see that slowing down things, um, although there was a slight uptick in inventory in the month of February. So, And we talked about Delaware County had more homes that sold. Chester County had less. Like, it's, it's a little all over the map here. So shock is a really good word. And it looks like consumers are feeling that for, for sure. And, and even some of the experts, I mean, the Dallas Fed came out and said, hey, we're, we're, we might be in a housing bubble right now, which I totally disagree with. Right. And their data actually contradicts what they said. But th- this is what's happening right now. I mean, th- there there is shock seeing, okay, there's still low inventory because we haven't seen that really spike up. And it's it's stale inventory we're talking about here. There's there's homes coming on the market, but they're just selling so quickly. Nothing's, nothing's sitting on the market. So it's not there's no inventory. It's there's not stale inventory that you could go look at. It's been on the market a couple months. Oh, what's wrong with this house? Maybe we can negotiate with them. That's not happening right now in most cases. In most mm-hmm. cases. But the Dallas Fed coming out and labeling this as a housing bubble, I mean, to me, that, that that's pretty irresponsible. I mean, especially yeah. from a financial institution that's backed by the government. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I totally think that's irresponsible. That creates more panic. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we do hear that out in the field. You know, people say that, oh, we're in the housing bubble. You know, it's going to, I'm not going to buy a house for an overpriced home. I don't, I'm sure Sarah hears this. So I'm not going to buy an overpriced home and then have the bubble burst and it's worth half. Right. Mm -hmm. It's funny you say that because, uh, again, this is coming from Housing Wire. So it's Logan uh, Matashami. He's the one who came out with this article, and and it's an an opinion piece for sure. His rule of thumb is that if you're going to use the phrase housing bubble, you need to point to when the bubble started because a bubble means that prices would fall back to some earlier point in time. So before the bubble started, right? And for the housing bubble 2.0 crowd that's out there, that would mean home prices would have to go back to 2012 in a short amount of time. There is zero chance I see that happening right now. Right. 0.0. <laughs> yep, I agree. That's not, definitely not happening. Now, to give some perspective, home prices have grown 108.3% since 2012. That's also over a 10-year period. And that was coming out of a real recession when there was bad lending going on. It was an institutional failure, yeah. not a surplus of demand like we're seeing now. And people you know, having some lifestyle changes and staying in homes longer. So, I mean, am I right on on pinpointing this as a non-bubble? I mean, I just think that that, that Dallas Fed, so non-bubble? Non-bubble. Non-bubble. All right. Yeah, and I feel like that language is irresponsible to to put out there because, you know, there is a lot of clickbait type things and yep. where you don't read through and you don't necessarily know what the uh, ins and outs of it are. And if you just saw that and then didn't really investigate further and decided like, oh, we got a bubble, I'm going to wait, then... You know, because we, we've also talked a good bit about the cost of waiting, um, and that's a real number. So, um, yeah, I don't agree with that. So we're all in agreement it's non-bubble. Now, now what Redfin came – and this all this news, like, dropped in the past two days. This is very interesting. Um, Redfin came out and said the red hot – excuse me, red hot housing market is showing its first signs of cooling, which that we could see a, a, a little bit more. But the, the reason behind it is that um, the U.S. housing market – 
Uh, they're saying uh, home shoppers have engaged in in more bidding wars than than ever recorded before, which I also agree with. Inventory's forty eight percent below pre pandemic levels, but again, that's inventory staying on the market because if you looked at pre pandemic home sales, there's more homes that sold last year than did in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty nineteen, and the annual rate of appreciation is um, just shy of nineteen point two percent. That was a record set last summer. So what they're seeing though, I've, now this data to me is interesting. Fewer people are starting online home searches and applying for mortgages than this time last year. So that's that's a lead indicator, right? That's like the number mm-hmm. of conversations you have or the appointments that you're going on as, as a real estate agent. And year to, year-to-date growth in home tours is below 2021 levels. That one I kind of argue with a little bit because some people are just making offers on homes without even seeing them. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and there's an increasing share of sellers who are reducing their prices after putting their homes on the market. That I have not seen in real time. Are, are, are you two seeing that in, out in the field? No. No. Okay. Unless they're, like you said, they're very aggressively priced to begin with. And and some buyers are smart and they might not go that high. So there is, I've seen those, but there's not many, not many at all. And and what, what the researchers from Redfin say is that the market still feels hot and a slowdown in online searches, home tours, and mortgage applications suggests that some buyers may be getting priced out. Well, I agree that some buyers are getting priced out. I I totally agree. Um, There's, you know, some buyers that some leads that we talk to, Mm -hmm. some buyers that come in and they tell me exactly what they're looking for. And honestly, I don't know where that home is in Chester County. Yeah. Right. So I think that some buyers- Tell us more about that. What do you mean? I don't know where that home is. (laughs) Well, you know, they're looking for something less than 300,000, you know, almost an acre of land with the two car garage and, you know, more updated. They don't want to have to do a lot of work. And yeah, we want to live in Chester County. And honestly, I don't know where to find that home in Chester County. It's, it doesn't exist anymore. You can find a home like that, but it's going to need major renovations, Mm -hmm. you know, so you're going to have to put a lot into it. But unfortunately, less than 300,000, it's really difficult at this point in Chester County. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think sometimes, um, lining up what you can get for the amount that you want to spend or like, you know, just having those difficult conversations where it's like, if that home was at, like, if, if that home got listed at under 300,000, it doesn't mean that it's going to settle for under 300,000, you know, like there are, I mean, I've seen a number of listings where, you know, you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, they're they're listing it at this. And then you see what it, it closed for. And that was to create a lot of um, buzz. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Create just the competition. Right. You do see that in this market also. Right. Yeah, yeah right. for sure. I mean, because sometimes like you look at somewhere like, you know, you think if you're going in 60,000 over ask, like that's a good offer. Right. And then you might not even be in the and I mean, obviously all of that, depending on the you know, the price of the home, 60000 over can mean more or less or yada, yada. But, um, you know, you might not even be in their their top pile with mm-hmm. with that offer. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's a little tough. And, and you just have to coach the buyers into what is out there in their price point. Yeah. And to, to readjust your search. Maybe you have to start with a twin mm-hmm. in this area and that area. Um, right. And just start sending them listings so that they can actually see. Right. Because obviously they haven't done that much research. Right. Because so. if you if you let sometimes if you let the buyers completely guide the search, you're <laughs> you look back at 
what's being sent out. And it's like, well, no listing has gone out in yep. a month yeah. because okay. nothing's there coming up that fits right. all of these checkboxes in this price range in this area. So, so accurate. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, putting in some things and then saying, like, just open it up and be like, be open minded um, is. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you if you just strictly go off of what they say, you could be there for a while. <laughs> yes. Well, that, that, that I think that is accurate. Seeing that Redfin seeing less activity come out, which will over time lead to more inventory. Maybe maybe not in the short term. I mean, this is all long term stuff. And then the, the last data point that came out that I was most interested in is. People were asking, like, why is the why is the inventory so low? Um, what what what's happening there? And again, our 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 buddy uh, Logan here, um, who's the lead analyst at Housing Wire, he came out and said, and I'm going to summarize the article in in like one sentence: an American homeowner with a sub 3.25 percent mortgage rate has the best hedge against inflation. In contrast, the new home sales supply inventory channels don't have a homeowner who has been in their home for 10 to 20 years. So it, it's those people that if they refinanced, they're in the home, they're happy where they are, they got these low rates and the values are going up exponentially, then all of a sudden your your net worth is growing, your wealth is growing. Even though I don't know that a home is the best investment, there's certainly better ones out there like stocks and bonds and all, all sorts of stuff. A lot of people don't think that way. They think very conservatively and they do look at their home as their nest egg. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I think it's totally accurate. Yeah. It it's um you know, it's safe. Mm-hmm. If especially if you don't understand other different modalities point, of investing. Yeah. So it's very safe and and people like th- to know that. They like to sit on that, you know, that nest egg. So well, and it's I think there's also something to say for something that you while you're growing worth with it mm-hmm. you're actually using it and you yes. can see it it's got a good you're, utility you're yep. living in it you know and it's where you're living your life and growing your family or you know downsizing and going to some other location or it's something that you can see and feel and experience and not just like you know go online and because like, it's still there <laughs> you know like, mm-hmm. um so yeah i think there's something to to say for that both great points here so we don't see the, 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 the short-term market slowing is what I'm hearing. You know, this lead data that we see from Redfin, I think we're going to have to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. I don't see mortgage rates going the other way here. I think that's the – I mean, I, I sorry, Sarah. Wish I, I had know, better yeah. better news for you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just you, you, cursing at Eric when you get home. These, these rates, the timing. <laughs> no, he was the one that wanted to move sooner, and I was like, nah. I mean, this was like, you know, this was pre-baby and right. whatnot. But, um, yeah, so – here we are. Well, I mean, I, uh, the, the flip side, though, is you have built equity already in your home just by owning it and right. going under contract and, and, right. and all that. So, I mean, it's not all negative here. And, and you also got another home you live in that mm-hmm. has also built a ton of equity. So yeah. th- there, there are some upsides here. And I don't, I don't want to be all negative, but I, I do get your point. I mean, the cost of money is the cost of money. So it does, it does, we don't, we say, we're, what we're saying here is we don't see the slowing down the market, at least in the short term. Maybe some inventory does start to rise slightly. It hasn't risen much. I mean, we're only talking about 10,000 more homes that were available in February versus uh, January. So it's not a big number. Um, It's something, right? It's it's kind of like in Pennsylvania when the showing activity first went up when we were in the pandemic. If you remember that, it was like that first blip. (laughs) And we're like, all right, we're back in business, guys. Let's go. And that's what gets people excited. So I I, I wonder if this is going to cause more people to actually like come to the market from the selling side, because that's really what we need to happen here. I definitely think it's going to motivate the sellers, the sellers that, you know, have different, have an idea of like, oh, we're going to relocate out of state or 
whatever, they were just kind of sitting back waiting because of the pandemic. I think this is definitely going to motivate sellers for sure because mm-hmm. they know things are changing. Mm-hmm. Their buyer pool is getting smaller. Mm-hmm. So um, they have to act. I, I agree with that. So let's hope that's the case here. So that's what 5% mortgage rates mean. We're going to break right here. We're going to come back. We've got the most embarrassing things that happen to real estate agents. We've got some personal stories. I've got some third-party stories. This, this stuff happens like way more than people think. So we're going to come back. We'll talk about all that on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents, and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Main Line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's Tom, Tool with an E, dot com. Sell your home for more, and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at My Mortgage. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. All right, all right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Time. And we've got Gabe behind the camera. And again, we are streaming live on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. And we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. So we're going to talk about the, the lighter side of real estate a little bit here. I mean, we've all been doing this enough now that there's probably some funny, weird, awkward story that, that that's happened. Um, and then I know of some others that I've heard that are that are pretty out there. So we'll share those as well if we got enough time. Who wants to go first, ladies? Ladies first. Doesn't matter. Scale <laughs> over here. They're not just like, forget it, we're out. Show's over. Well, I was new in my career. Um, so I guess I'll start. Um, we were still in the other office. And I was out on a show. That, that was not that long ago, by the way. That was like a year ago. <laughs> and it was 
pouring rain. I mean, like monsoon style pouring rain. But I went out on the showing, met the person there. We went toward through the house. Everything was going very well. Um, got ready to leave, went back out. You know, had everything, you know, when, you, when you're when you doing a showing, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I have my phone, pens, you know, mm-hmm. notes, my booklet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then had the umbrella, you know, trying to function with all this stuff. So, we're you know, we're wrapping up the showing. We're standing outside on the sidewalk because we had to get out of the house. The seller was in the house, so we couldn't talk in there. And um, so I'm just I'm backing up to try to make my way to the car and my heel caught something <laughs> and I went down in a heap. I mean, like in a heap, like I didn't even know I was going down like one of those kind of falls. Yeah. Everything went flying like umbrella no. flew. All my stuff flew. Oh, I geez. had no idea what it was. Plus, I was drenched. I skinned up my arm, skinned up my. Yeah. Oh, the guy no. was amazing, though. Yeah. He totally grabbed my umbrella. He helped me up. That's nice. True gentleman. Yeah. He even walked, he picked up all my stuff, walked me to the car, opened my car door, and made sure I got it. <laughs> I know. It was like, <laughs> I was a drowned rat. Yeah. I was late because we had a meeting. And it was a sales meeting. <laughs> I think I remember this now that, that yes. you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was my most embarrassing moment. But he was a true, true gentleman, um, which allowed me to shake off my bruised ego there. So. Yeah. Yeah. But did you sell him a house? That's what I want to know. No. You did not? No, that's too- but he said I was always going to be his agent. Oh, there we go. <laughs> we'll look him up in the public records afterwards, see if he transacted or not. I know, right? <laughs> I feel like most of my embarrassing moments um, involve lock boxes. Like, you know, I've had, I've shown up at some like in the winter and they're frozen and you can't. This is, yeah, this is yeah. like a you know, pro- common real order problem. Yeah, you can't get like either the numbers to turn or you get them to turn, but then the actual piece to push down on is just like frozen shut. Um, when I first got the, you know, like the Supra, uh, boxes where you have to you know you use your phone to unlock it for a while at the beginning I was holding it wrong so they would never work and I would like I just remember a couple like you know you're like almost in like cold sweats like don't look <laughs> right, at me right. you know and just they're like, staring at you very nerve-wracking yes, oh my gosh yes they're, they're just looking at you and it's like yep. why don't you go check out the property and then you just like try it a couple different ways and then eventually i figured out what it is that you're supposed to do and now they open up every time <laughs> um except when i need to update my phone and then it like needs you to do like an <laughs> update problem, yeah. and you're trying to connect to wi-fi and you're just like oh my god <laughs> but, or your battery's running low yes, on your yes. phone and you're oh like god my... please can i get into this house <laughs> right let me in um so i would say most of my like embarrassing ones are probably lockbox related um i did this isn't embarrassing but i did one time have a a situation with a client where we were under contract um (laughs) but had not closed yet um but as part of the requirements for getting in we actually had to have he paid for an oven to be brought in Mm because there had to be an oven in place and um he was out there. We had permission on all sides because there was like a delay getting, you know, I had gone out with him the one day and then the delivery didn't come through. So we had permission on all sides for him to go in and wait for the delivery guy. And I got there later um, because I was going to be meeting him there. And I walk into the house and he's standing inside just smoking a cigarette. And I was like, we don't, you don't own this yet. Like, That's phenomenal. I mean, you must have been happy about the purge. You felt comfortable at home, right? He felt very oh at home. But I remember just being like, oh my what? God. <laughs> like, no, no, no. That's, I mean, and like, that doesn't like, you know, when someone smokes a cigarette inside a house, like you can oh, smell yeah. it. Like you can't it's get not, rid of that. It's, yeah. it's not something that's like, uh, 
you know, you spray some uh, Lysol and you're good to go. Like, it doesn't work that way. Right. I think I think that I was like, hey, listen, like we nothing's settled yet. Like you can't you can't smoke in here. And he was like, oh, okay." And it was winter. And he went over to the front door and still stood inside and then was just trying to like smoke the cigarette (laughs) out the door. It's all just blowing Blowing in. I was like this. This is no good. Not good. Those are good ones. Um, The the most embarrassing thing to happen. I've got probably way more than you two. I was showing a home downtown, and I had uh, parked the car, and it was like a referral from a past client. She was looking for a condo somewhere. So I parked the car, go back out, and uh, I was like a hair over like the legal parking spot at like the end of the street in Philadelphia. And we come back out, car's gone. Like oh my car, gosh. car got car gets towed, and we. I mean, luckily these houses were close enough we could like we walk to them. And I said, all right, well. My car got towed, not a big deal. And of course, this was like I had to like pick her up at a hotel and like do all this other oh stuff. And I, and which I, this is why I don't like people driving in the car. I think it's, this was also like 2006 or five or something like that. So what we did was um, we walked all the showings and I, I got like these like dress shoes on, like leather bottom, and my, my feet are just killing me. And we get done. And then I got to go, and it wasn't even my car. I had to, um, my car was in the shop, so I had borrowed like one of my parents' cars, and they were coming to pick yeah. it up that night. So I had to go down to Lou Blum. Have you ever picked up a car down at the towing center in Philadelphia? No. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible, right? I mean, it takes forever. You got to have all the paperwork there, and then you're waiting in line. There's always someone that has like a, a bigger problem than you in line, and it's not like, hey, here's my stuff. Here's the money. Can I get my car back? It's like they're yeah. like calling the insurance company. I don't have my documents, and they and they won't see anybody else. There's only one person there ever. I mean, yep. this, this, I, this sounds like you had the same experience. Well, so. and it's always it's like it's all cash. So then you have to like you know you you realize your car your car is gone. You're flustered, so you get an Uber to down to. This was before where, Uber. This, this happened. <laughs> Mine was more recent. You t- you get an Uber down there, and then you're like they're like oh it's cash only. And then you have to go to some sketchy bodega right, like around right. the corner, and then you're just like. No. <laughs> so, and then I finally, and then I get it back, and then it's all, they have, like, they write on it with, like, that chalk, like, oh my gosh, thing, yeah. and uh, my parents are going to pick up the car, and I'm like, I got to get this thing, like, cleaned off, so I go out and clean it. Luckily, I did sell her house, uh, and I think that that helped, uh, but it was, I mean, I was stressed. I mean, it was, yeah. it, and I'd also gotten locked out of my car one time, because uh-huh. I had, like an, like, an older car where they didn't have, like, the key, like, you could lock your keys in your car. It was very normal yeah. to do. Yeah. That was really stressful. Um I mean, there's, there's just so many. Sto- I mean, have you guys ever walked in on anything weird or like seen some weird stuff when you're showing a home that like the the, the seller's done or they left there? Mm, you saw some weird dolls weird. a couple times. I don't recently. like. Uh, yeah, if I yeah. mean, if I walk in and there's like clowns sitting there, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> clowns and dolls are just not my thing, and they freak me out. So I don't. And you know what? The buyers typically have that same feeling, so right. I'm not alone. Well, it's in like this. how not to sell a home when you have that stuff <laughs> right, up there. Exactly. But I have. Um, it wasn't embarrassing for me, but it was embarrassing for the listing agent. So we were texting back and forth. I don't even know what the con what the conversation was that we were texting, but I texted her something and she her response was, Okay, B. You know, I can't say on radio, but okay. And immediately I looked at him like, Oh gosh, she must be having a bad day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> my phone rang and she was like Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know how that came over, but I did not say that. I'm, I'm thinking, it's okay. Um, don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. I'm like, even if she did say it, what, whatever. You right, know, what right. am I going to do? Whatever. Yeah. For her, it was, she was mortified. mortified. Yeah, yeah, of course. For me, I'm like, whatever. We're yeah. wrapping up the deal. Let's get it done. Right, right. <laughs> that sort of texting stuff happens a lot. I bet. I've had agents, they text me and they're like, this agent's so annoying. He's not disclosing all the details of the multiple offers. He thinks he's a big shot. And I write back like, 
I'm the agent you're <laughs> negotiating with. Like, oh, I, I'm sorry. And, and I was talking about another deal. It's funny because you just texted me right back and you think you're texting your client. So oh, like, that's right. happened. And, that and like, that's like a nice one. I mean, I've been definitely called some nasty <laughs> things. So that's yeah. people. People don't like chat. Like they, they just uh, the, I like proofread every text I send just right. fearing that that's going to happen. Right. Right. After that, it was an eye opener. I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. again, another reason okay, to have okay, thick B. skin. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's having a bad day. <laughs> well, you've got a very positive outlook, Stacey. Sarah's got the craziest real estate story. You know what, what? I'm talking about when you were oh. when, yes, in, in between showing. So I, I think, why don't we end on this? this too, I, I still can't get over this. We got like two minutes. So yeah. this was super cool. Um, so this was back in August of 2020. Um, it was, you know, super hot. Nothing was open. Like you couldn't like pop hey, into go like, anywhere. Yeah, you couldn't like pop into a Starbucks or you know a Panera or <laughs> um, you know anywhere in between. And I had some time to kill between a showing, and I had kind of like you know I was like almost there, kind of like parked, and I was just sitting in my car like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And I looked up and I saw a sign that said that the Harris Casino was open, and I was like, hmm. All right, I'm gonna go to the casino in the middle of the day by myself <laughs> and kill you know like. 40 minutes or whatever. I hit a um like a grand prize on a slot machine and won twenty thousand dollars. That's like the best thing ever. It was the coolest. But then I did I like called my husband. Well, then I had to cancel the showing that I was going oh, to hell yeah. because Heck yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Stacy Stacy Mitchell going rogue here. I'm sure I'm sure it's fine to say that, by the way. Heck yeah, well, cancel that appointment. I it took like a while for them to come and like do the payout and like do all of the the stuff and so I had to cancel the showing because I wasn't I wasn't going to make it there. And then I like called my husband on the way back and I was like, don't be mad at me. But I went to the <laughs> casino during the middle of the day. Da, da, da. But I won. And he was like, I'll believe it when I see it. And, then and there did. you had it. And then he did. There you go. Pretty wild. So that's awesome. That's what happens on the other side of the transaction. So that's all we got this week for Tool Time Real Estate Radio. You want to follow Sarah? She's on Instagram. It's at Ty underscore Ty Time. You can follow Stacy. It's at the number two Mitchco. You can follow me at Tom Tool Three RD at Tom Tool Third. And again, we stream live every week on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. Catch you next Tuesday.